You're listening to the Sheep Spot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Hey there, Sheep Spotters. Welcome to episode 32 of the Sheep Spot Podcast. I'm Sasha from Sheepspot.com, where we offer diverse hand-dyed wools for adventurous hand spinners and the information and support you need to make them into beautiful yarns. I swear, I swear, I swear, I just sat down the second to to record, and of course the cats are doing something noisy. I don't know, how, how do they know? How do they know what I'm doing? And that It's sensitive to the noises of cats. Anyway, guys, 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 I have so much to tell you. So uh, our actual topic today is uh, why breed study is so important to our development as spinners. First, though, a couple of other things. Um, A spinning check-in. I promised I was going to do these in the hopes that it would actually make me spin. And I, I think it might be working a little bit. Um, I was in Portland, Oregon, my spiritual home. Yes, the dream of the 90s is alive in Portland. Um, and I was there for a week before the Black Sheep Gathering, which uh, this year was about an hour south of Portland. And I brought a spindle with me and a bat. So, and I actually did quite a bit of spinning on the trip. Uh, so I took with me a green sleeves, bare bones spindle. I just got a bunch of, um, spindles from Elizabeth, who is the spindle maker at green sleeves. Uh, and they will be going into the shop quickly, but, um, I really love her stuff and I'm particularly enamored of this one spindle that she does that's extremely straightforward and simple. It's um, her sort of entry-level spindle. It's called the Bare Bones. And uh, they're usually around 1.3 ounces. And I love them for beginners. They're my absolute first choice for a beginner's spindle because they're inexpensive. They're beautiful. They're really well-balanced. They spin beautifully, as do all her spindles. And, um, so I like to have some in the shop and, and I absolutely like to have some in the booth when I'm, um, when I'm vending at shows, because, you know, if somebody comes along and says, indicates that they might be interested in learning how to spin, I can give them this spindle. And, um, I have a little resource guide that I also give out and, um, with all my favorite spindling resources and, I can, you know, make a new spinner on the spot, which is fabulous. So anyway, so I had started working on this bat actually when I was in the booth at the Prince Edward County Fiber Fest. And uh, so I decided that I would bring it with me. So it was uh, initially it was just a 50 gram bat that my fabulous studio assistant Danielle made, and then she actually made me another one to go with it. So I have a hundred grams and it's done on my amazing Clemmis and Clemmis drum carter. 
Uh, so it's really just smooth and lovely. And it's a blend of some dark brown Corydale and some uh, kind of pinky, orangey Polworth, more towards the pinky side than the orange side, and some silk. What's not to love? Oh, and I forgot forgot the best part, cashmere. There's also cashmere in this bat. So I um, was wanting to start one of the, uh, to start a project on one of the bare bones in the booth in case somebody came along and wanted to try one out. And so I started this, this bat and um, it has actually kind of become a full, a full blown project. And I don't usually do spindle projects. I love spinning on a spindle, but um, I just, I'm usually doing it to kind of deal with being anxious. I love to take them with me when I fly because I can just spin in the airport and that always makes me happy. And um, I have total motor mouth today. I'm really, really, I'm feeling very chatty. I think that's because my husband has been away for a whole week and I haven't really been talking to humans. So anyway, back to the spindle. Um, so I wanted to get one started and, um, and I just got totally mesmerized by it as I sometimes do by spindling. And I think I'm actually going to finish these bats and ply this yarn and have yarn that I spun on a spindle, which very rarely happens. Um, as I say, I mostly, when I'm spinning on a spindle, I'm just trying to have something to do with my hands that makes me happy. And I very rarely actually go on and ply. I know it's silly and weird, but there you have it. So that's my little spinning check-in. Um, I had a fabulous fabulous week in Portland. The weather was spectacular for the entire week. Um, I got to see my friend Karen, whom I haven't seen in, I think, like three years. Yeah, I think three years. Um, Matthew came with me. Matthew got to meet Karen's husband, Dirk. That was really fun. The four of us went out to dinner. I had We had amazing food. We drank amazing wine. Um, we went and did some wine tastings in the Willamette Valley, and that was fabulous. I got to stick my toe in the Pacific, which I love. Um, it was really just kind of a perfect trip. Oh, and the other thing about it that made it actually got it a lot closer to perfect was the fact that our Airbnb had no Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi was out. So... I had already kind of committed to staying off social media for the time that I was away because I was frankly a little burned out. And uh, so I took Facebook and Instagram off my phone and then we had no Wi-Fi in the, in the place where we were staying. So I was pretty much offline for not completely. I mean, you know, I went on my phone and I used Google Maps and things. I looked stuff up, but I was not, you know, scrolling through millions of stories in the New York Times. And that was good for me. So, uh, yeah, so it was wonderful to be kind of uh, offline. It was wonderful to be in Portland. It was just great. And then uh, so we, we got there Monday night and uh, we had, you know, four lovely days, Thursday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then Saturday was the Black Sheep Gathering. 
which this year was in a new location. So it's moved nor- north about an hour uh, from its old location, which was in Eugene, Oregon. And it's now in, uh, I'm, I'm not going to remember the name of the town, Albany. It's now in Albany, Oregon at the Finn County Fairgrounds. I think that's right. Anyway, um, the new location is fabulous and it's, it's much bigger. All the vendors are able to be kind of in one space. Um, and it's just, it's just a really nice space. There's lots of room for people to just kind of spread out and spin. Um, and it looked to me like there were more vendors there this year than there have been, than there were the last time I went, um, which was several years ago now. The food is definitely not as good. So next year, pack a lunch, but, um, but it was, it was really nice. Um, to kind of see it all spread out and spiffy in its new location. It was really nice not to be vending. It was so nice to be at a fiber festival where I was not, where I had no actual responsibilities. And, um, I stopped in, uh, at a couple of booths of vendors who had been at Ply Away with me and, and kind of gloated about the fact that I had no work to do and, and they did, which was obnoxious. But, um, Anyway, uh, and then uh, I went to the fleece sale. I have to say, I think that there were fewer fleeces this year than there were the last time I was there. It may be that, you know, because of the location shift, people weren't quite sure about it. But um, but the fleeces that were there, I thought were really nice quality. I bought five fleeces, um, a Cotswold, um, two Shetlands, two stunning Shetlands, a Rambouillet, and a Merino. I very rarely buy a Merino fleece, but this one was grown by Elizabeth Hubbard, um, and I love her. She's a fabulous shepherd in California. I love her stuff, and I've gotten several fleeces from her over the years, and um, it's, uh, it's a really lovely fleece. So, um, the, the only thing that made me really sad was that my favorite Jacob Shepard was not showing at the Black Sheep Gathering this year. And I wasn't really thrilled with the Jacob fleeces. I had been hoping to, um, pick up at least one, maybe two. I love Jacob's, but, um, but alas, it was not to be, but I do have a Rambouillet fleece and that's kind of fun. Um, also I am in the midst, I'm so chatty today. I am in the midst of washing a fleece that I actually bought at the Ontario hand spinning guild when I was vending there. It is a Shropshire lambs fleece. Shops, Shropshires are a down breed. They are super rare and this little lamb's fleece just um, caught my heart. I was so ex- I was so excited that to see a Shropshire fleece, which I had never seen before, and I was excited that it was a lamb's fleece. And I am washing it, and it is just delicious. And in fact, it is so delicious. I'm thinking that it might not go to the fleece club. Uh, it might just stay home with me. This is a dilemma when you 
are in my business. Mm-hmm. The potential for spat for sort of kind of endless stash enhancement is uh, it's ever present, folks. What are you going to do? All right, let's go on to our main topic. I will try to maybe slow down a little bit and stop talking a mile a minute. And let's talk about breed study, folks, and why it's a good thing to do. Um, so breed study, what is breed study? Breed study is when spinners decide that they're going to make a kind of systematic effort, more or less systematic. Some, you know, it depends on the spinner, uh, a systematic effort to spin as many breeds as possible and to learn what they're like, um, to learn about their characteristics, their history, um, and to work with at least one uh, sample of their fiber. And um, there are lots of ways to go about it. Uh, and, you know, there are many, many, many breeds. So it's it could be kind of a lifelong project. And some people approach it that way. Some people do it in a really concentrated way over a period of time. Um, but I think that, um, as you know, I'm obsessed with breeds, sheep breeds, and I'm obsessed with rare breeds. And I think it's a great way to um, experiment and learn more about different breeds of wool. I also think it's it's a really great way, because most people when they're doing breed study, they're working with fairly small amounts of fiber, unless they're working with stuff that they can't get in small amounts. They can't get it from the spinning loft or um, in prepped form. So they'll get it from, uh, they'll have to actually buy a whole fleece, which is something I'm going to talk about a little later. And I think it's, I think it can be a really good opportunity to allow yourself to do some spinning that is really oriented to the process and not oriented towards a final project. So you can do a breed study, just basically spinning a bunch of samples and um, and not being so organized around spinning for a project, and I think for that sometimes that that can be a really a really good way to spin um, to kind of take that the pressure of the final product out of the equation and just um, kind of be in the experience of spinning. Um, and I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why in my experience, I really feel like for me, breed study has made me a much better spinner. Um, And I think it's partly that emphasis just on, on process. And it's also the fact that every time you encounter a new breed, um, they're all different and they all pose different challenges and they all, asked to be spun in a slightly different way. Um, so it's a great way to break out of a rut. Um, I'm a big fan of even if you settle into a spinning a kind of yarn that you love over and over again, I'm a big fan of um, spending some part of your spinning time uh, 
trying to do new things and teach your hands to do new things and give your, your brain new problems to solve. And breed study can be a really, really great way to do that. Um, so it can force, force you out of a rut and it can force you to try new things. And that is definitely going to help you be a better spinner. Um, even if you're, if you're spinning yarns that you really don't like that much and you spin the breed and you decide never again, there's still, I think, a huge amount of value in that. Um, just in terms of making you a more versatile spinner, someone who can really sit down with any fiber um, in the best case scenario at any wheel and produce a reasonable yarn. Um, the other thing about breed study that I think is really important is that it hugely increases the range of yarns that it's possible for you to make. So let's say you really want a very elastic um, sock yarn that is going to wear really well. Down breeds. That's, that would absolutely be my choice in that situation. Um, if you want something that's going to have a lot of drape and a lot of uh, luster and sheen, choose a uh, a long wool BFL if it's something that needs to be soft, something like Teeswater or Wensleydale if it doesn't need to be a soft. Um, let's say that you are very sensitive to um, kind of scratchy wools and you want something you can wear really close to the skin or around your neck. Um, Cormo or Rambouillet, perfect. Um, or if you want to spin a marled yarn in natural colors, Jacob is perfect for that. CVM is perfect for that. So the, if, as opposed to spinning sort of widely available commercial fibers like Merino and Falkland and BFL, Breed Study will show you in a really dramatic way the range of things that are possible for you in making yarn. And that is also something that I think is really, really valuable. Um, so when you um, walk into a yarn store, so imagine your local LYS. I hope you have an LYS. I'm blessed to have an, a really, really good one here. Um, you know, you'll, you're, you will usually find a couple of different kinds of yarns with respect to the breed study question. <clears throat> the ones labeled Merino and the ones that give no indication at all as to the breeds that grew the wool and also usually no indication as to how the yarn was made or where or what the environmental impacts were. All that is a subject for another day. Um, but so it's a very, it's, a, it's kind of a binary choice, right? There's Merino and then there's everything else and everything else is kind of mystery wool, right? It's hard to know what it is. This is changing a little bit, but still, if you walk into webs, 90% of the yarns, you're not going to know really what's in them with any real degree of specificity. But once you have a, a good sort of general knowledge of breed, of breeds and wool types, you can really match the fiber very precisely to the project you envision. Um, 
you can control how durable the yarn is, how, what the hand is like. Um, you can, as Maggie Casey always says, uh, with kind of a twinkle in her eye, um, spinners can be the ultimate control freaks. So you can, you can make a very vast variety of yarns and you can also tailor your yarns really specifically to what you want the final project to be and do. And that is, uh, really, really useful. So your it basically breed study gives you the opportunity to use precisely the right tool for whatever the job is at hand. And I'm a, a big believer in that. The other thing about breed study is that it's, or another thing about breed study is that it connects you to the real source of your materials. Um, it's a great way to, to really feel that linkage between you and the shepherd and the sheep. Um, and for those of us who are interested in, you know, living in a way that's more interdependent with the natural world and also making in a way that's more interdependent with the natural world, um, working with a wide range of wool and other natural fibers can be really, really satisfying. And then the last reason that I think breed study is really important and really useful, I've already talked about uh, quite a bit on this podcast, it ensures that these materials, these wools continue to exist. So breed study is going to push you to use kinds of wool that are not widely available commercially. Um, so if you think that sustainable agriculture and small agriculture is important, um, or if you are really interested in supporting North American mills and processors, um, spinning um, domestically produced uh, wools can let you do that um, and really allow you to put your money where your mouth is. And I, for me as a consumer, I'm more and more concerned, I think really like week to week um, about sort of bringing my consumption and bringing my use of resources more into alignment with my values and um, exploring these walls is one way that I do that. Um, and of course, really, if you're very, if you're serious about a breed study, it's going to lead you to those rare and endangered breeds that I'm so passionate about, which are, you know, precious resources with amazing characteristics um, that have just been passed over for one reason or another by large scale agriculture. Um, and these, uh, breeds are the living repositories of genetic re resources that may very well be crucial to us in the future. So, um, yeah, breed study, man. So it's, it's a good thing, but here's the problem, right? Um, it means for most people who do it, it means buying fleece. And um, that can be, for some people, a daunting prospect. 
Um, you know, where it's, it's not easy in modern North America to find fleeces. You, you can't just go to the wool store. Um, and, uh, you know, how do you know if you're not experienced in choosing fleeces? Um, how do you know it's good quality? How do you know that you're going to wash it without felting it? The prices at Black Sheep, man, were really through the roof. So it's, uh, if you go to a fiber festival and you buy a fleece, you're looking at spending a good amount of money. That's the other, that's another thing to consider. Um, and that can also be, um, off-putting or even prohibitive to people. So, um, so in the past, uh, folks did breed study by buying fleeces, which, um, brings up immediately the question of finding the fleeces, washing the fleeces. And then there's the prep, right? So do you have hand cards? Do you have combs? Do you, do you have tools that are appropriate for the kinds of fleece you have? Do you know how to use them effectively? And all of this is, of course, massively time consuming. So um, this really is why I created the Fiber Club. And, um, so here the pitch is coming, folks. Um, and because I think breed study is really, really important to being the best spinner that you can be, but you may not have the, you may not have fleeces available. You may not have a place to wash them or store them. You may not want to invest, um, a pretty penny in fiber processing tools. So, the fiber club really, I mean, one of the things about it that I feel really strongly about is that it's breed study without the prep. Um, so it's for committed, inquisitive spinners who just don't have the time to work with fleeces or don't have the space or the facilities or the money. Um, so, uh, that's why every shipment is a different breed of wool. Um, and shipments go out every other month. So if you join for the full year, you'll get six shipments over the course of the year. Um, and you'll also get a bonus that I call breed school. And I don't think I've actually talked about breed school on the podcast, but it is the second best thing about the fiber club. The best thing, of course, is the fiber, but the second best thing is breed school. So if you join for, for the full year, you get access, you get lots of access to other spinners who are spinning the same fiber, and we do that through a Slack channel. And uh, additional breed information. I do a video in which I sample the fiber a bunch of different ways and talk about it. So you get access to that sampling video. And then I do a live chat with club members about every shipment. So if you're having um, problems spinning the the fiber for that shipment, you don't know how to how to get started with it, you can come to the live chat and ask me questions. Um, or you can ask me questions at any time through the Slack channel. Um, and so Breed School is a really fab thing. And it kind of pushes the fiber club experience into being a real, um, solid breed study experience. So as I believe you have heard me mention recently, memberships to the fiber club go on sale July 9th. 
Uh, I only open up the Fiber Club once a year because it's, uh, frankly, it's a lot of work to launch every year. And I, uh, I want, really want to keep it to once a year. So, um, memberships open on July 9th. They close the following week, the following Monday. Um, there is going to be a super yummy bonus for everyone that signs up that first day. Everyone who's, who joins the club on the first day, that is to say Monday, July 9th before midnight, uh, gets a, gets to schedule a 20 minute discovery call with me in which we will talk about your spinning. I'll get to know you a little bit. Um, we'll talk about your color preferences. We will, uh, just so I can sort of have a sense in the back of my mind when I'm designing colorways. Um, and we'll also, uh, I'll answer any spinning questions you have. We'll talk about any challenges you're facing in your spinning. And if you want, we will also set some goals for you for the, um, duration of the fiber club. So those discovery calls are, uh, a free bonus that is going to everyone who signs up the first day. Uh, if, and that's, uh, even for six month members. So even if you join for half the year, you get that bonus if you sign up on the first day. Um, and then if you sign up for the full year club, then you also get breed school. So you get the Slack group and the extra breed information, the sampling video and the live video chats. Um, we also do monthly contests in the Slack group and the prizes are uh, fabulous fiber. So I, I love this time of year because I, it's, it, as I say, it's a lot of work. Um, this moment in the year for me in the kind of sheep spot calendar, but I love having like an influx of, uh, new spinners in my life. And I love having, seeing the, um, past members who join again and, you know, knowing a little bit about them and their spinning and their preferences and, um, and, and also just being able to see how much people improve in their spinning over the course of the year. I adore that. So guys, you can find complete details about the club, including prices and all the options. And there are a lot of them. Um, so you can really customize the club to make it exactly what you want it. You can join for six months or months or 12 months. You can get dyed or undyed fiber. You can get one braid of fiber with each shipment or two braids. And you can pay all at once when you sign up or in monthly installments. So there are lots of options. You can really make it fit your life and your budget. Um, all that information is on the homepage of the website at cheapspot.com. And if you are not yet on the email list for the club, dude, what are you waiting for? Um, the first email that I'm going to send to the people on that list has a funny GIF in it. So a GIF or a GIF, whatever. Um, anyway, so go, 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 go to sheepspot.com slash fiber club to get an email reminder when the thing goes on sale on Monday, um, July 9th at 9am Eastern time. All right, my beloveds. Um, oh, so much fun to talk to you. 
I will see you next week when I am going to be, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing next week. I don't know what I'm going to talk to you about next week, but it's going to be spinny. It's going to be fun. I will, um, it will delight me. I hope it will delight you as well. And I will see you then. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.